You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Before we get started today, college football is right around the corner and the Locked On Network has you covered. We've got the Locked On Pac-12 podcast, the Locked On SEC podcast, Locked On Big 12, Locked On ACC, all of those podcasts waiting for you. There's no better place to get all of your conference news than following our Locked On Conference podcasts on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Monday, July 5th. Hope everybody had a very nice 4th of July weekend. We've got plenty to talk about today, including Jet Holmgren's first two games of the FIBA U19 World Cup. We'll also talk about DeMontis Sabonis and Philip Petrushev coming up just one win shy of qualifying for the Olympics. And then we're going to end the show today with some talk on name, image, and likeness and how it may or may not affect Gonzaga. The podcast schedule for this July is going to be a little bit different. We are going to average four shows a week, but it's not going to be the same each week because of some traveling that I'm doing. So I'm going to remind you at the start of each week what we're doing, but for now, just know that this week is going to be Monday through Thursday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday episodes with no episode on Friday. And then next week is going to be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday with no episode on Wednesday. I will remind you of that, of course, every single show. Okay, let's start today's show with a couple of pieces of news, and the biggest one that came out on Sunday night is that Rui Hachimura is going to be one of the two flag bearers for Japan in the opening ceremony of the uh, Summer Olympics, which is being held in his home country of Japan. So an incredibly, incredibly cool honor for Rui Hachimura. He is officially one of the 12 members of the Japanese national team, so he is going to not only play in the Olympics, but he is going to be a flag bearer in his home country in the opening ceremony. So incredibly cool for Rui Hachimura. Another guy that is going to play for Japan in the Olympics is former Gonzaga Bulldog Ira Brown. And he is not playing in the 5-on-5 tournament. He is playing in the inaugural 3-on-3 basketball tournament in the Olympics. So if you want to watch some Ira Brown, he's going to be playing in 3-on-3 action at the Olympics. Let's talk a little bit about recruiting here. The updated 2022 rankings came out uh, over the weekend. Actually, I think it was on Friday uh, for 247 Sports. The guy that we had been talking about a little bit the last week or so is Anthony Black, and he has shot up the recruiting boards all the way to number 16 nationally, according to 247 Sports. He's a 6'7 combo guard out of Texas, which I've mentioned before. Shot all the way up to number 16 nationally. And then I believe they've only offered two players actual scholarships for this 2022 class. One of those is AJ Casey, uh, was a 6'8 forward out of Chicago. He's ranked 58th nationally. And then the other guy is Richard Isaacs, a uh, top 35 guard who played at uh, Wasatch Academy in Utah and I believe is going back to California and he's going to play his senior season in California but he's a 6-2 point guard uh, ranked like I said in the top 35 nationally so those are the kind of the names the 2022 class is going to be really interesting because there's just they have not had enough exposure because of um, the pandemic so it'll be interesting to see how many players Gonzaga actually takes uh, going into next season in terms of 2023 uh, there's two names to watch. One of them is Mookie Cook, and he made an unofficial visit last week to Gonzaga's campus. 
Cook is a 6'7 wing from Jefferson, Oregon, which is the same hometown as Silas Melson. And then the other guy uh, that wants to make an official visit to Gonzaga is Gus Yaldin. He's a 6'8 forward, 240 pounds, really big dude. Uh, I guess it can remind you of a much younger Shema Karnowski. He's top 50 nationally. Really interesting skill set that he's got. He uh, made some comments that he really wants to get out to Gonzaga and make an official visit here in the next couple of months. So those are two names to watch in the 2023 class. And then one last piece of news here is actually on the baseball diamond, and that is Gonzaga's pitcher, Gabriel Hughes, is one of 45 players to make the United States Collegiate National Team who's going to play a bunch of games over this summer. Uh, There's players from 30 different NCAA programs, and Gabriel Hughes is going to be the only one representing Gonzaga. Hughes, if you remember, missed the NCAA tournament because of injury, but he has all-American potential, and the coaching staff definitely believes that he can be drafted uh, here in the next couple of years. So a good honor for Gabriel Hughes, and I'm excited to watch him get back on the diamond for Gonzaga next season. All right, coming up, we're going to recap all of Gonzaga international games from this weekend, including two really, really nice showings from Chet Holmgren. I'm going to talk about him a lot, and then we'll go over what happened with DeMontis Bonus and Philip Petrushev as well. Before we get there, today's episode being sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and both the NBA and the NHL are in their finals. It's a perfect time to get in on the fun, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to a championship. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Okay, we mentioned in the open that Rui Hachimura and Ira Brown will be representing Japan in the Olympics. Unfortunately, those are the only two Gonzaga players that will be playing in the Olympics for basketball, and that's because both DeMontis Sabonis and Philip Petrushev lost in the championships of their respective qualifying tournaments, both at home. Let's start with DeMontis Sabonis and Lithuania. They lost to Slovenia in the championship game 96-85. DeMontis Sabonis was straddled with foul trouble in the first quarter of that game, uh, but ended up coming back and playing the majority of the final three quarters. He played 30 minutes but was held to just nine points and six rebounds. And unfortunately, he was playing against Luka Doncic. And sometimes when you're playing against Luka Doncic and Luka Doncic has one of his Luka games, you're just going to lose. That's just the way it is sometimes. And Luka had one of his games, 31 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists, and Slovenia is moving on to the Olympics. So instead of getting Rui Hachimura versus Sabonis in the Olympics, instead we're going to get Rui Hachimura versus Luka Doncic in the Olympics, which is still pretty cool. And then Filip Petrushev and Serbia got upset at home by Italy in the championship of their qualifying tournament, 102-95. High-scoring game, but Filip Petrushev was fantastic the entire tournament for Serbia. He averaged 15.5 points, and he shot 20 for 25 inside the arc, 80%. He was 22 for 30 from the free throw line, averaged five rebounds a game as well. And in the championship yesterday against Italy, he had 22 points off the bench. So really, really strong showing for Filip Petrushev. And now he gets to finally, probably, I would imagine, finally gets to head back to the United States and get ready for the NBA draft. We'll see where his name gets called on draft night. 
And then there's Chet Holmgren. United States played their first two games of pool play in the FIBA U19 World Cup, and they absolutely smacked Turkey, and then they absolutely smacked Mali over the weekend. Chet Holmgren in the first game had 13 points, nine rebounds, five assists, and two blocks. And then yesterday on 4th of July, he had 11 points, three rebounds, four assists, and two blocks. Chet's best stretch of the weekend came in the second quarter of Saturday's game. He completely took over the game on both ends of the court for about a four-minute stretch or so. And watching him the last two days, it's been very, very obvious, and I think a lot of us knew this already, but it's very obvious that his biggest impact is going to be on the defensive end because he covers an absolutely ridiculous amount of ground because of his strides and because of his length. At one point, he was guarding the ball handler on the wing when the guy passed to a corner guy who was cutting back door. Chet dropped down to that guy in about two steps and blocked his shot. He literally covered half the court by himself. And then there was another play in the second half of that game uh, against Turkey where a Turkey player got some separation on a step back and against probably 99% of defenders, he would have got the shot off, but Chet's length got a piece of it and it led to a fast break. And then kind of the same thing happened again on Sunday where he was chasing a shooter through a screen. And for a second, the shooter was wide open in the corner. And he thought he was open enough because he let the shot go. And out of nowhere, here comes Chet Holmgren's long arms, gets a piece of the shot just enough uh, that it lands into a teammate's arms and it leads to a run out and ends up with a dunk for Chet Holmgren. So he's just a total game changer on defense. There's obviously some concern about his ability to hold his own uh, in the post against much stronger players, but in a Gonzaga context, most of those guys are probably going to be guarded by Drew Timmy and Anton Watson. So I think I'm much more interested in his offensive role. He played 90% of his time on the perimeter this weekend, and he showed off a really, really high willingness to pass and some really great passing skill, which I was somewhat surprised by. Uh, His vision is really, really good, and his IQ is very high. They did a lot of kind of high-low action with Chet as a passer, and I think that's definitely something that you can see with uh, Chet and Drew Timmy at Gonzaga. And he also showed off his range. He had a couple of really, really deep threes, including one in transition uh, for a four-point play. I'm not sure I necessarily buy him as a driver quite yet at the next level but his shooting stroke is definitely there he's got really soft touch around the rim he finishes pretty well he's a good free throw shooter Um, there's just I think there's just so many different things that Gonzaga can do with him on the floor and I think it's mostly going to be determined by matchups because with Timmy on the floor with him who are teams going to put on Drew Timmy and who are they going to put on Holmgren and then if Julian Strother's on the floor and starts kind of as a pure slasher who are teams going to put on him you know no matter who's out there there's going to be either a size mismatch or a quickness mismatch somewhere on the court pretty much whenever Chet Holmgren is out there so it's going to be fascinating from an X's and O's perspective to see how Gonzaga's coaching staff takes advantage of all of those uh, mismatches. The United States continues in the U19 World Cup by taking on Australia on Tuesday morning. Tomorrow, they'll play at 10.30 a.m. Again, all these games can be watched for free on YouTube. You can watch replays of them. If you want to go back and watch Chet Holmgren from this past weekend, you go to FIBA's YouTube page. The replays are up there, free to watch. Uh, You can kind of watch Chet Holmgren and see how he impacts the game. 
Bracket play will begin on Wednesday for the World Cup, uh, and then the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the championship will take place Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of this week. Okay, coming up to finish the show, we are talking name, image, and likeness. I want to give kind of just an overview of this whole situation and what we should be watching for. Today's discussion is going to be much more broad, uh, but we'll have you know some Gonzaga connections, of course. But then tomorrow is when we're going to do a fun exercise that I alluded to on Friday's show. I want to push it back because it deserves more time than just a, uh, one segment. Uh, but I will explain what we're going to do tomorrow at the end of today's show. Before we get to some name, image, likeness talk, today's episode is being sponsored, of course, by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market, and it is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate at all bars. Listen to some of the flavors they've got going on right now. German chocolate cake, mint brownie, salted caramel, raspberry, coconut, orange, strawberry, cookies and cream. You can get all of these in a mixed box if you're not sure which one you want to get. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy, and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein, which is 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Let's talk about name, image, and likeness, shall we? Starting last Thursday, all college athletes were able to start making money for themselves, finally. We saw Jordan Bohannon from Iowa do a deal with a fireworks company. We saw an athlete and his dog do a PetSmart endorsement. There's a website called Opendoors that a lot of schools are using where they can put their athletes up there and they can put their rates online for sponsors to see and kind of, you know, make deals that way. Here's my overall feeling on this whole thing. Anyone who claims to know how this whole thing is going to go is out of their mind. Nobody knows. It is going to be at least a two-year learning process for everyone involved, from athletes to schools and to sponsors themselves. So let's talk about the athlete's perspective first. According to an expert that Jim Meehan referenced in a Spokesman Review article over the weekend, the top 2% of college athletes can easily make six figures. And I think we kind of all assumed that this would be true already going into this thing. The more interesting thing for most people is what is the market for the other 98% of athletes? Let's take Gonzaga, for example. Chet Holmgren, massive following. Uh, but he's had a massive following of social media for years. He's going to make bank doing pretty much whatever he wants, and he's going to have the choice of whatever sponsorships he wants. Drew Timmy, preseason national player of the year. I don't know necessarily if six figures is realistic or not, but it's very possible uh, but at the very least, he's going to make thousands off of his brand. And that's kind of the key word is brand. Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy are both household names in the world of basketball. They already have an established brand. But in my opinion, neither of them are the most important player on Gonzaga's basketball roster next year. That's Andrew Nemhard. But he's a pretty quiet guy without much of a social media following. So what's his market? I have no idea. I think those types of players are the ones that are really interesting to watch uh, in this whole situation, are the guys that don't necessarily have 
massive brands and social media followings, but are likely the most important players on their teams. The Worth Twins, who just graduated from Gonzaga, they've exploded on TikTok the last two months, and their videos have been going viral on ESPN platforms. Imagine if they could profit off that while they were still in school. There's a pair of twins who play for Fresno State who are still in college. They've got more than 3 million followers on TikTok, and they signed a deal with Boost Mobile on day one and had their names on a billboard in Times Square. I mean, that's ridiculous already. The social media aspect of this whole thing is absolutely fascinating. According to one major advertiser, the average influencer on social media makes 80 cents per follower. This is where non-major athletes can make their money. If they're popular enough on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or wherever, they're going to get sponsorships running to them and they're going to make money. Of course, there's going to be some selling out because student athletes are going to want to promote just about anything to make money. But who cares? I mean, it's no different than any other college kid trying to make a buck. So um, that's kind of the social media side of things. Of course, you know, kids can still make money off of, you know, the, the, the other stuff as well, right? TV commercials, autograph signings, running basketball camps with their name, making t-shirts, et cetera, et cetera. Like if you go back to when Rem Bakamas was in school, you know, Rem and Shem, you know, I think they could have easily made money on Rem and Shem t-shirts when they were in school or capitalized on their, you know, Santa Rem and Shem thing. You know, I, I think um, players can go and teach summer camps in the offseason if they want. That's an easy way to make money. It's not life-changing money, but it's absolutely something they deserve to make and they haven't been able to make it in the past. From the school's perspective, I imagine they're going to have a lot of control over what athletes can and cannot promote. I also imagine every school is going to be adding employees to their compliance office to kind of help out with their athletes. Gonzaga, of course, has already implemented a program to help their kids with brand management and financial literacy um, with their next level initiative. But every school needs to be doing this. They 100% have to have something in place like this. Otherwise, they're doing a massive, massive disservice to all of their student athletes. Schools are likely going to have a list of products and companies that their student athletes will not be able to endorse for various reasons. BYU, for example, has already said they can't promote coffee, amongst other things, because it goes against their honor code. But on a larger level, schools likely won't allow athletes to promote rival brands to the ones that already sponsor the school's athletic department or the school itself. So, for example, if McDonald's has a huge sponsorship deal with a school, you're probably not going to want your athletes out there promoting Burger King all the time. Um, so there's going to be at least a little bit of a restriction on what schools allow athletes to promote. And schools should hopefully put their athletes in a spot where they take the best deals possible with the best people possible so they don't get totally exploited. And then from a recruiting perspective, I honestly don't think this changes much of anything uh, You know, in terms of which athletes are going to which schools, at least in the short term. Perhaps we learn something in the next few years. It changes my mind. But the top high school athletes in college football have been going to the same schools forever. And I don't really think that's going to change. And then college basketball, there's kind of been a shift away already from the traditional Blue Bloods over the last five years or so. And I would imagine that trend's going to keep going, which is great for the parity of the sport. I do think that these NIL rights will really hurt the G League and the overseas leagues that are you know, paying money for these guys out of high school because if you can get the money in college kids will probably come to college because that exposure uh, playing for a college team as opposed to the G League or overseas team 
undeniably more. You could talk to Jalen Green about that, who played for the G League Ignite, and he basically said if he were in college and played in college and got that exposure, he would be the number one pick in the draft. Because nobody has seen him, he's going to go you know, somewhere between two and five. So maybe I'm naive here. It's very possible. But I really don't see recruiting changing all that much, most especially at Gonzaga, because Gonzaga takes guys who want to be Zags first and foremost, and that is 100% always going to be the culture. And then finally, from an advertising perspective, it's going to be really interesting to see how companies decide to allocate all of their money. It may take a couple of years before they kind of figure out exactly what the return on investment is with student-athletes. I think the one thing that may be worth watching is if companies have a large contract that's expiring with a school, what if they decide it's worth it to just sponsor two or three athletes instead of sponsoring the whole athletic program? The money now goes directly to the athletes and the school sees none of it. So how do schools react to this? Do they even allow their athletes to take that kind of deal? These are all questions that are going to take years to get answers to. We have very few answers on how NIL rights are going to affect the overall landscape of college sports right now. It's going to be a huge learning curve for everyone involved. But what we do know is that student-athletes can finally make some money, which is awesome. I just pray that every school helps them through their first tax season next April. Okay, tomorrow on the show, we are bringing this discussion back to a more kind of Gonzaga-centric talk. And we're going to do a fun exercise based on a tweet that I saw from Tate Frazier last Thursday. And the tweet said this, schools should start selling jerseys of former stars and those players should get their due cut. So here's what we're going to do tomorrow. I am going to choose one jersey that I would buy from each Gonzaga team from the start of their run in 1999. That's 24 seasons, 24 jerseys I would buy if schools sold them and gave profits to that player. I'll tell you right now, if I could only choose three jerseys, I'm going all alternates. Give me an Adam Morrison red jersey, a Nigel Williams-Goss black jersey, and an old-school Matt Santangelo royal blue jersey. Tomorrow, I'm going to reveal the full list of 24 jerseys from 24 teams, uh, and we do a kind of a fun exercise here. That's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget, you can tune into the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can also subscribe and rate this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at scargo. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zag. If you want to email the show with any ideas that you want me to talk about, feel free to do so. The email is LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Monday. We will see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.